This is the time that we all been waiting on. The moment all the naysayers been hating on. See, they've been talking down on us and flexing. It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan. A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up. But not the boys on Kirby, so you can pack it up. Reliant Stadium is where you can find us with the whole city of Houston, Texas standing behind us. See, we've been waiting on this one for 10 years. Alright guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host and friend, the Garnet Texan, John Wade. John, how was your week so far? Uh, it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, we have another MVP in Houston, which, about time. What, what, what awards happened? NBA. Oh yeah, James Harden. Yeah. Mr. I want to also do a Rockets podcast. <laughs> no. Way to stay on I'm top just kidding. Of that. No, I'm just kidding. I knew it was James Harden. I just was wondering how far you'd let it go. Uh, yeah, his speech was great. I mean, he had a good speech. It's James Harden. I don't know. What do you, I mean, he flops a lot. He doesn't flop. He doesn't flop? He doesn't flop. I mean, he's like the second coming of Manu Ginobili. No, he just leans into contact. I'm just kidding. I just was hoping I'd get you riled up before we got into the Titans. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, James Harden deserved to be MVP. I don't know how you couldn't uh, make an argument for Chris Paul considering the fact that Chris Paul made that team that much better. I mean, that it, that's a good point. I'm not going to argue it. They won seven games more, looked like a much better team. But Harden still was the heart and soul of that team. I mean, as much as Chris, what Chris Paul essentially did was allow Harden not to get tired out. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about the Rockets because if Chris Paul stays healthy, we're at a parade in Houston, but instead, you yeah. know. Ifs and buts were nuts. Yep. I wore a new hat today is. that you haven't seen. I was trying to figure out if that was a new hat or not. <laughs> but I was like, if I say something about that and it's a new hat, I think my wife would get mad at me because I don't notice her haircuts as much as I notice your hats. <laughs> Yeah, I, I saw this one. I was like, hey, I'm going to wear this one. I haven't worn this one over there yet. So I thought I'd wear the all red one. Yeah, it's a good looking hat. Of yeah. course, I think you have every, what What hat do you not have? I think the only one you don't is the uh, We Are Texans because you hate that one. Yeah, that one I don't have, and then I don't have the Army one. Did you get any of the gold ones? I do have a couple gold ones. Of course you do. Yeah, I do have a couple gold ones. I don't have the, the, the camouflage one, though. I won't wear that. No salute to service? It's not about the salute to service. It's just, wow, you really that's try to that, put me in a bind that, there. <laughs> that's what it's called. That's what it's called. Uh, no, I'm kneeling for, for that right now. I, I don't know how to respond to that. Okay. <laughs> I don't think there's a safe then way I to respond Then I did my job. Um, all right. So, a couple things to get into before we get into the Titans. So, a week after we have Bill O'Brien on, he goes and sits down with... The triple threat for an hour at Little Woodrow's and drops the bomb that Cream Jackson is moving to safety full time. Hmm, interesting. Who would have thought that that would potentially be a good move? I don't know. Just about anybody that follows Houston football for the past two years, two, three years, three, maybe. I mean, he had that one year where he was good at coverage. Yeah. But for the most part, Cream has always been Cream. He's very good at stopping the run for a corner. Yep. He's very good at playing the ball in front of him. Yep. If he turns around, though, he's toast. Yep. Which, I mean, that sounds like a safety to me. Sounds like a safety to me. Great tackler. Can block the shed if being blocked uh, in the nickel. 
can play in the box. Yeah, I'd say uh, pretty good safety abilities in my mind. I think that... I think lymph- obviously Andre Howe being diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, I think accelerated this. Yeah. Uh, he was already getting snaps, though, prior to that, but who knows how long they knew about that before it came out. If Hal was healthy, Kareem would be our um, our run-stopping safety. Yeah. You'd play him on downs where they're, jump, uh, what is it, 21 personnel with two tight ends and a fullback out there. He would just match up better against bigger players than Hal would. Yep. Um, but I do think that he instantly steps in. Him and Tyron Matthew combined with Justin Reed. Like we've we've got a pr- it's amazing it goes from being one of the weaknesses of our team to should be one of the strengths. I agree. Like we should be strong at safety. We should be strong at corner. At, at, well, I wasn't even gonna say at corner. I was gonna say our shortcomings at corner should be more than covered by our, covered by our safeties and our linebackers this year. Yeah, you but would I think I think that our corners. You know, honestly, our corner it all comes down to Kevin Johnson for our corners. Right. I agree. If Kevin Johnson is okay. Which is really all we need him to be. I mean, I'd prefer for him to be better than okay, but we I haven't even seen okay from him in a while. So yeah. to see okay, and then with JJ and Colvin, I I think we're okay. If we could Tristan get that, Nikud, if I we guess move to safety now. Second so. half of Kevin Johnson's sophomore season. Yeah, I think we're fine then. Then our defense is going to be even better than it was two years ago. I agree with you. Now, if he plays like he did last year, this year we have the depth to cover up for him. Yep. I think it's a great way to put it. I don't think anybody could have put it any better. Uh, yeah, so obviously it's a great move. We've been talking about it since we've been a podcast. So I'm just glad that Bill's listening to us. I mean, it just makes sense, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you must have dropped that bug when we just edited it out. Yeah, it, d- it didn't give you the whole interview because you guys don't deserve it or something like that. No, I don't know. Right. Uh, no, no, not the case. All right, uh, I do want to touch on something that we haven't talked about. I want to talk about Jadavian Clowney. So he was, Bill O'Brien was on with Triple Threat, like I said, and in that same interview, asked about Jadavian Clowney. And all, Bill O'Brien was like this open book of everything, probably more than he's ever been in his life. And when it came to Jadavian Clowney, they were asked, you know, you know, what can we expect from Jadavian? He hasn't been at, uh, at minicamp or OTAs. And he says, all I can say is, don't worry, he'll be there September 9th. And that was it. That was the end of the clowning conversation. And 610 is starting to, they, Sean Pendergast started to really look like look into that and was wondering, like, why was that so short? What is going on? Like, why haven't they locked him up? What is it about Clowney that they're worried about? Do you think there's something to be worried about with Clowney? I mean, no more than... Injury-wise. I mean, no more than normal. He just had a, his he just had his knee scoped. He's reached the stage of his career where, especially when it's probably the same knee that he's had issues with, they're just kind of like you know, take it easy. I'm I'm not too worried about it yet. If he is still not practicing consistently during training camp, but I just think that he's reached the point in his career where it's like you know what, you don't need to be here for all the workouts, especially when you've had work done. If he was a hundred percent healthy, then yeah, he'd be out there. Yeah, I'm wondering, uh, but why haven't they locked him up yet? Probably the same thing. I'm wondering if they're going to let him ride out the season. I think they want to see another full healthy season. And then, worst case scenario, they can franchise tag him if they can't get a long-term deal done. Yeah, we haven't used our franchise tag in 
We also haven't had a new GM in... Well, we did with Dante Robinson. Right. And, I mean, with what Clowney should make... 17, 18. The franchise, I think, is going to come in underneath that. Yeah. So, even if it's just trying to save money, the issue with doing that, though, is it always creates bad blood. It does. I mean... Unless you work out a long-term deal. So if it's, hey, we're we're only placing this franchise tag on you to buy us time to work out a long-term deal, which we have seen multiple times in the past, Mm -hmm. that that be the case, uh, we just want to see you healthy for one more year. We want to see that you can do it back-to-back seasons. Is Is that unfair? It's not unfair, and I think it was McLean, John McLean, that originally put this out there. He was the one that originally floated it. That that's what just what everybody's kind of thoughts are. Um, if Clown, again, it everybody's just guessing at this point because there is no solid information. That that's the reason it hasn't been locked up when it was announced at the end of the off season. Brian Gaines himself, yeah, that in was an the interview. first thing out of his mouth is he wants to lock up Clowney, and it hasn't happened yet. So now everybody's trying to fill in the story. So what's going on? Why haven't we? Well, now let's look at all these different scenarios. Well, this does kind of make sense. It's like we would save a little bit of money, and it's not like he's really just on a fifth-year option. We've really got options for year six and year seven with him. He is a player that would be worth the franchise tag. However, if you put the franchise tag on him, if you don't lock up that deal, it pretty much means that he's one and done, or two and done. But... We'll see. I mean, at this point, we're all just guessing. It's, it, it's educated guesses, but we're guessing. Um, a better reaction, because we have no news to give on it, is just, how would you make? How would you feel about that? Do you feel that's smart? Do you feel it's like, dude, we got to lock this guy up? Do you feel... My thing is, we should be trying to get him locked up before the other defensive line. Khalil and Aaron and Donald. Before they reset, reset the market. Right. Um... But at the same time, it's not a dumb move to do it. It's just kind of risky because we've talked about it before. Football, you play with so much emotion that if it does rub Clowney the wrong way, like what they have to put themselves up, even if it just takes off a little bit, even if it's something that they don't even know that they, that edge, even if it's something that they don't even realize it's kind of doing it, but when they feel wronged and they, and they just, it just impacts them just a little bit. I mean, that's all it takes in the NFL. Well, let me ask you this. Is it a potential motivating factor or mode or move to say, hey, we're not going to lock you up long-term this year. We want to see that you can do it and let him play with that chip on his shoulder this year and see what clowny we get. And then they lock him up at the end of the season. I know that's like, I know you're like flirting with fire, right? Right. But let's be real, like, these players are motivated by their contracts. This would be his first big contract. If he comes out and bets on himself and produces at the highest level and higher than we've seen from him yet, if he hits that generational talent, you know, first, you know, once in a decade talent that everybody thought he was coming out of the draft, which I, I think is fair to say that he is not that yet. I think he's a freak athlete right. for sure, but he's not the pass rusher we expected. But he's a the 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 best the best uh, run stopping defensive end and outside linebacker in the league. I don't think that can be argued. 
is that a good approach? And do you think that's a possibility? Again, with Clowney, we're just kind of guessing. I mean, one of the things that always stood out to me about Clowney was his first season when they were trying to do promos for the video boards. You know, in the stadium, the in-stadium little things that go on. Clowney didn't want to be up there by himself on any of them. Even though he was the number one pick, they were trying to get him to be featured on, like, Wattis and, like, other players. Um, Clowney didn't. He's like, I haven't earned anything yet. I haven't earned to be the person that's by myself. So he was part of, like, the defense chant, but he didn't want any videos that just singled him out. It was same in the media guide. He was like, please don't single me out unless you're talking about the number one pick because I still haven't earned anything yet. So it depends. It, so maybe it's his, him. Maybe or, maybe it's him betting against himself. Yeah, I mean, it depends. Maybe he's his, saying, I haven't deserved it yet. I mean, it depends where his mind's at. And again... It's just, it's a guess. Like, this is, that's the type of player he is. Like, that's the type of person he is. He's always been anointed as being the next great thing. Like, he was anointed a Super Bowl MVP on the ESPN magazine before he even committed to college. Like, this is a man with expectations that have been placed on him. Probably comparable to, like, Bryce Harper or... Almost not quite LeBron James, but that sort of hype coming out of high school. And deep down, I think he. Which let's preface this: you would know this because you are a South Carolina Gamecock. Right. You would know all these things. Yeah, just so everybody knows that John's not just pulling this out of his ass. Like John went to school at this school. Like he he does his research on this stuff. This isn't just random stuff he's saying. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. I remember when we started recruiting him when he was in like an eighth grade. Like, this kid, and we weren't the only school that was doing it. This was a big moment in South Carolina history when he contributed, or when he, um, when he committed to us. As part of the reason that a lot of people may not even know who Jadavian Clowney was, the reason he didn't get to strat- stratospheric heights outside South Carolina and outside college football is because he did go to South Carolina. Like, if he had committed to, I mean, if he committed to Alabama or committed to California or to uh, USC, um, California, shit, so, I, I can't believe I said USC, um, but if he had committed to Southern California, a team like that, a big, a big school market, that gets the market, Clowney would have been even bigger before the hit, and then he wins an SB for knocking a kid's helmet off in college, and then he gets drafted number one, and routinely, he would say he hadn't earned anything yet. So, I don't know. I mean, part of me thinks that, I mean, what they would used to tell him in college was people would t- talk smack about him, or he was one sack away from setting a record, or he was one sack doing this. Those are little stories, little fibs that they would tell him to just push him a little bit harder. Because again, he's always been such an athlete that he was always the best player on the field. It wasn't really until college when we had nobody else on defense for his, it was his junior season, when he was pretty much the defensive line all by himself, and the no joke, they were four-teaming him. He was not double-teamed. They would put four players on him to stop him. And South Carolina was so bad that year on defense, nobody else could get pressure. And they would put two offensive linemen, a tight end, 
and a running back to stop Clowney. That's why his numbers fell off. We, of course, the Texans take him number one. He gets hurt, so we never really got to see what he could do. And now we've started to see it for the past two years. And there's been flashes where you really see what he is capable of. And maybe he just wants to put put it together himself, where it's more than just a flash, or it's just a, a constant stretch where he's making splash plays and he's not just doing a better job of setting the edge than any other player out there. But he really hasn't done that yet, but he might. And I, at this point, I'm just rambling and trying to speculate. No, it's good. Out where he's at. No, no, no. I, I honestly think you just gave the best perspective on Clowney that anybody could have heard. Like, I, I really do. Like, knowing you the way I do, you're very analytical, you're very research-driven, you're very knowledgeable. You only speak on things that you know that you can speak on confidently. Nobody else has been able to give that perspective on Clowney because nobody else knows South Carolina like you do. I mean, this is your heart and soul. You you It's everything South Carolina for you. It's not just football. It's all of it. Um, so, no, I, I think the listeners just got a good breakdown and understanding of Clowney. And I think you're right. He, he may be just trying to figure it out on, on his own. I think that's one, one area that nobody's touching on or talking about, you know, because we're all caught up in these players and their egos and who they, you know, the divas and, and they just want to make money. But you know, there are players that aren't always like that. There are players who feel they need to earn things. Uh, and Clowney in his mind, probably still feels that he wasn't worth the first overall pick and based on his production and what he's done in this league. And that could easily be part of his mindset right now that says, it's just not, I don't deserve it yet, but don't worry, I will. So you may be right. So I, I thought that was awesome. I thought that was a great breakdown. That was the first time I've ever not interrupted you and let you talk for so long. So obviously it was very good. Um, all right, let's get into this. Well, hold on. So do you think over the next four weeks, it's four weeks now until mini camp, until Greenbrier training camp. Um, I always get those confused. Do you think that there's a chance he's locked up before Greenbrier starts? I still think there's a chance. Yeah. Um, if, he lock, if, he's, if he locks up and we don't franchise tag him, then I think we're going to get him at a very, very good contract. If we end up having to go the route with the, um, with the franchise tag, then he's going to get a really, really big contract that we're all going to kind of, kind of squint our eyes at. Do you think Brian Cushing's contract is what's potentially hurting Jadavian Clowney? Maybe. I just I, thought I, about I, it. I'm I, not, I, I, okay, I, I know. Really don't have, listen, I, never, John, you got to engage the conversations, okay? <laughs> Speculation, rumors, like our job is what we do is to give our thoughts on things. You can't say everything is pure speculation. We, we're trying to look at every scenario. Do you think that that potentially could be where the Texans are saying to themselves, like, okay, we just we gave Brian Cushing this massive contract, and boom, boom, boom. We literally, he was not worth, let's just be honest, Brian Cushing was not worth that contract the day he signed it. Right. Such no, to say. I don't, I, don't disagree, I don't disagree with that, but it's a different regime now. So Right. I think that it's not just. But they also could have learned I, from it. Yeah, it wouldn't be just Brian Cushing alone. It'd be. All contracts like that. Matt Schaub. You look at players that have potential but are constantly hurt, you you kind of want to keep them hands off a little bit more. Okay. All right. Let's get into these uh, Tennessee Titans. <laughs> uh, 
Look, let's start with their draft, I guess. Well, full disclosure on the on the Titans, the Titans, the um, I've honestly I think they should be our biggest rival. Okay, I really do. I know you do. You've been um, saying that for a while. I, I say it every year when we do this. Every year when we play them. Did you see what Vrabel said about himself? Um, never having confidence in being a coach. Yeah, or whatever. yeah, whatever. I've I've been to more Titans game than I've been to Texans games. My oh my god, my parents live in Nashville, so it, the reason that I'm so passionate about they should be our biggest rival is walking to their stadium and looking at all the murals of Oilers, Houston Oilers, not that have never played a down in Tennessee, guys that we grew up rooting for, and they're like all Do over they their Earl? stadium. Do they have one at Earl? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do they have one at Warren? Yes. They have a huge mural of Love You Blue. Explaining the whole history behind Love You Blue. <gasps> so disrespectful. Why? So disrespectful. And every year, I'll go to a Titans game because I'll go to a, I always go to a football game with my dad. I mean, it's probably why I have a good relationship with my dad is we both are obsessed about football. One thing we can always talk about, he always takes me to a football game. Every year I walk into that stadium, I have to look around at some of the numbers retired. I have to look around at some of these murals. And I'm like, if you're a traveling Texan, go to a Titans game. And I know like the history of gameplay with the Colts and us not being able to beat them for such a long stretch. That's really why. But if you just walk around the Titans stadium, and even though we have a better record against them, they they should be our rival. Just walk in that stadium for fifteen minutes, and if you and then text me that you disagree with me, but until you've done that, they they really should be. All right, sorry. All right, well, um, <laughs> okay. I uh, I'm worried about Vrabel. I was talking. I I, uh, I had a happy hour with my boss today. It was just me and him, and we were talking football. And uh, Vrabel came up, and I started to really think about it. And I, I think about what Texans players have said about Vrabel in the past and what we heard from Bill O'Brien and other, other coaches and things like that about how players love to play for him. Players want to play for him. Players want to be successful because of Vrabel. They buy into him as a person. And this is going to suck to say. But with the league going in the direction it's going with these young coaches and the young coaches catching lightning in a pan or catching a flash in the pan or whatever it would be, if you, I think the Titans this year could be the Rams of last year. They, they terrify me. They really do. Um, you know, as habit, I always watch as much as I can about these teams before we, we do them. I go, I go creep their Reddit. I go listen to their, to their equivalents of us, their podcast, whomever's podcast, something like that. They have a good one, by the yeah, way. Yeah, they have a couple. Yeah, they, I know they have one for sure. Um, the one that I listened to quite a bit lately was the post route. Yes, that's a okay. good one. That's a good one. They're, that's pretty I mean, they're very hickish, but. Yeah, they're. Oh, they're very, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, they're us if we were in Tennessee and inbred. Just but. not as cool. <laughs> Just not as cool as us at all. Um, You're not going to get the breakdown that we give. Yeah. But they're – all of them are so excited this year, and they should be. Like they've, hey, They were last year, John. They were. But last year their coaches were morons. Yeah. This year 
I mean... That offensive coordinator scares the shit out of me. Yes. Uh, Matt LaFour. Um, we'll find out. Was it Sean? Was it Matt? Was it both? I don't know. Well, it's just his entire running game philosophy. Yeah. And here's the thing about Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry was a big back, but you can even look back at the scouting reports. He was always better at approaching the edge. And then... We saw it in the playoffs. Deion Lewis is a little running back that is better at running between the tackles and catching the ball. Yep. Which we've seen. That's why I, I wanted us to go out. Oh, no, I know you did. Game. I know you did. But I don't want to pay what they pay. Then, so they're going to essentially have... If you take a bigger back who is better at attacking the edge and a little back who's better at attacking the middle, what two running backs... What, who does that ask to sound like? What other teams running back combination? The Falcons. Mm, so the Devontae Freeman, T- Tevin Coleman no, approach? No, it's not, it's not a perfect one-to-one match. No, no, no. But, but I get where you're going. But Freeman is the better up-the-middle runner. Coleman's the better out-of-the-backfield out of pass catcher, edge runner. And guess who was a part of that coaching staff when they really cemented them into those roles? LeFour. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And now you're going to give him a essentially a bigger Tevin Coleman, Tevin Coleman, not as good hands. Kevin Tevin Coleman could actually play wide receiver. Uh yeah, he's he's yeah. one of my favorite running backs to watch. But Derrick Henry is Von Miller playing uh, running back. Uh, yeah, he's tall. He's I mean he's I don't think people speak about how tall he actually. Right. I mean he's tall. And then Deion Lewis again, just a great great jitterbug. He's a great up the middle running. Like surprising, if he could take a beating, if it it's more injuries than fumbles with him, but if he could stay healthy, I anybody that plays fantasy football should be very familiar with him because when he does put on a stretch where where he's healthy, he wins you week after week, and that was with the Patriots whom you can never predict. I with the with the Titans they'll probably have a fifty fifty split with a coach that should know how to use them based on the other teams he's been with. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and then people tend to forget about Delaney Walker, who's great. Yeah, he's an underrated tight end in the league. You look at their wide receivers; they're okay. They're not. They're not. I don't think they have a clear number one. No, they don't. But um, they they have they have wide receivers that can catch the ball. Right. I mean, Rashard Matthews will probably be their number one. Corey Davis. I think Corey Davis has the potential to be has, number one. He was everybody's like analog. He was all the analytical guys, darling, right. out of the draft. And then last year he was hurt. Yeah. So. And then Eric Decker's still there, but he didn't do anything last year. But let's see how he is this year under the new regime. Uh, so, and then the offensive line is good. The offensive line is really good. Yeah. Maybe and the but, third best offensive line in the league. Yeah. Sorry, before but we kind of got up. We kind of got off um, off subject. We were talking about their coaches before. Oh, we we're going to do a, yeah, a, a yeah. deep dive into the uh... yeah. So Vrabel scares me because I think he's one of those guys. Um... <sighs> okay, I'm trying to break this. I'm trying to think of a way to break this down. So anybody that's in sales would understand this. Uh, there's great account executives that can go through the sales cycle, prospect, find the sale, close the sale, and they're amazing at what they do, and they'll be. You know, the next step would be promoted to manager, but they suck at managing. And then there's going to be those managers that are great at managing and they know how to manage the talent. They know how to manage their, you know, everything around them, but they suck as sales reps because they just, they're just not good at that part. They're good at managing. Mike Vrabel comes across as somebody who we think is terrible as a defensive coordinator. Potentially, he, we're right. We also had a ton of injuries. 
but I think from a coaching perspective, from a delegating perspective, from a holding coaches and players accountable perspective, and from a motivating and getting these players to run through a wall for them perspective, I think Vrabel's in. I think Vrabel's going to be good. I think Vrabel's going to be really good. Well, I actually. And he's young. Yeah, they can relate to him. Essentially, my point about Vrabel before we went off our little tangent was look at the team that he's putting together. He's putting together an offense based on that Shanahan tree, the the Shanahan Gruden tree that goes back to Bill Walsh, which is overwhelmingly the past ten years been probably the most successful offensive philosophy, mm-hmm. just like widespread. And he's doing that on offense. And then on defense, he's taken the Patriots-Baltimore Ravens coaching tree with yep. Dan Pease, whom he talked out of retirement. Yep. This was his former... Didn't he, wasn't he his former defensive coordinator? Correct. Um, Pease has been a defensive coordinator at both uh, New England and Baltimore. Yep. Or was he just a linebacker's coach in New England? I want to say he was just a linebacker's coach in New England. Okay, that would probably make more sense. But it's that same... So you take the New England defensive attacking philosophy... And you add that with the Shanahan offense. Well, that, and that, the, I think real quick before you get into that, I, I just think from the defensive side, it's a hybrid too. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not just your base 4-3, your base 3-4. It's a hybrid approach just like New England. Uh, it gives people problems. Go ahead, no. sorry. No. So I think just the staff that he's built so far, like, that's scarier than actually Vrabel. Like, I think Vrabel's the weak link. But Rabel, he may be. Rabel as a position coach was amazing. Maybe then the best. As a coordinator, he couldn't do it. But as a head coach, he may be able to do it because it's each each level is different skill set skill sets. With a position coach, you're going to be extremely hands on. With a as a coordinator, you can't be as hands on, but you still have to have a little bit, and you have to kind of direct more. But as the head coach, he's got to manage. Right. And he's got to get people to come in and do all the hands-on stuff. And with his personality, people seem to want to go work for him. Right. Which is a big part of management. I mean, look at LaFour. You're a manager, like, you know. Yeah. I mean, look at LaFour. They, he interviewed to be the head coach there. And then he decided, even though he didn't get the head coach job, he would be fine taking the offensive coordinator job. That never happens in the NFL. No. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, uh, you know, what, what does Steve Jobs say? Like, you hire people smarter than you to work for you. I mean, we, we give Bill O'Brien all, all the credit every time for doing that same thing. You know, hiring Rack. And, like, this year, Brad Seeley will be the guy for the special teams that, you know, people seem to think we're going to finally get it on special teams. And we actually... I mean, and we might. We might. We, we also might. spent, you know... Well, we also... Cr- Adamose, and we, we so we made moves. Cri- our biggest criticism, also, of Bill O'Brien ha- has been loyal. Oh, he's loyal, and that he is usually the smartest man in the room, and he kind of knows it, right? Which kind of helps him put blinders on when it comes to the offense. So, what if Vrabel doesn't have the blinders? Yeah. What if he lets his coaches be his coaches, empowers them to do what they need to do, and manages the situation itself? I, th- I think it's I think it's a recipe for disaster. To be honest with you, I don't. I am more worried about the Titans than I am the Jaguars. I am too. Yeah. I, uh, I, I for a couple reasons, and we'll get into the Jags next week. But they have Bortles. Yeah. 
I would take Mariota. Titans have a Mariota. Yeah, I would take Mariota. Who in flashes has been... There's been times where, like, oh my Mariota, God. I would take Mariota, Mariota at his worst over Bortles. I would too. No, agreed. I, I agree. So you got Mariota, and then you got an offensive coordinator who's going to be able to cater to Mariota. I don't know. I mean, it, it's... And and they did a lot. They made a lot of good offseason moves. I mean, they basically just addressed their their defense all offseason. Draft, free agency. I think Benny Logan will go uh, under the radar as a free agent signing. And when we see him lined up next to Paul Krug, I think people are going to be like, "Oh my God, Benny Logan was a great def- is a good defensive tackle." Uh, and then you take that linebacker, the inside linebacker they took in the first round, Evans. Yeah, let's let's well let's go from coaches now to the draft. All right. All right so, so Evans first round, I think yeah. it was pick number twenty two. They traded up three spots to get him. They, he was the last best inside linebacker. They lost uh what's his name in the offseason? Um Oh, who was the middle linebacker they lost? Anyways, they lost a uh they lost a linebacker and I think they upgraded. Oh, it was Avery Wilson, Williamson. Um Rashawn Evans looks like he's going to be a solid linebacker. I mean, what do you think? You're you're more of a scouter than I am. Uh, Rashad Evans was a linebacker out of Alabama. Um, he was the not a bad place to go. Yeah, he was the uh, error apparent uh, Foster, yeah. Evan Foster. And yeah, he I mean he played like it. He's a little bit smaller. He's a better coverage linebacker, but he's he's good. I mean, yeah. And then this year was a very, very weak draft for edge rushers. But they seem to have found a jewel. They've got the guy that many considered the number two or number three um, edge rusher in the draft. Uh, Of course, he was behind... Harold Landry, by the way. Yeah, I'm sorry. Harold Landry out of Boston College. Yep. He... He was the top 20 prospect. Right. He was the top 20 prospect. He, Depending on what... Whose scouting report you look like, you looked at, he flipped with the guy out of... uh, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, the Roadrunner. You know the guy out of South Texas? Oh, whatever. Uh, but Harold Landry kind of flipped back and forth with him. Um, so he he's one of those players that when they originally traded up to go get Evans, I actually thought they were trading up to go get Landry. So the fact that he actually fell to the second round is kind of not fair. Right. It's, uh, it's uh, the same reaction we're gonna, we got when Justin Reed fell to us. Right. But this is an edge rusher. Right, which they need badly. I mean, Jarrell Casey can't do it much longer. Uh, and then when you go to the third round, they took that safety slash corner out of Arizona, Dane Krukshank. We were actually, we actually liked Krukshank. We interviewed him. It looked like the Texans as a whole. We, we ended up getting a better player than Reed. Krukshank is not as... Krukshank. He's not as polished. He's not as good as Reed. Right. However... Well, I wouldn't say as good. I would say he's just not as polished. I don't know for sure if he's as good. We'll, well find he, out. He's more of a cornerback. He played more of a cornerback. Yeah. So Reed's more of a true safety. However. With Jonathan Cyprian being a bust and just an okay safety, it'll be interesting to see if he pushes Cyprian to, for that safety spot. But, it's again, it's another player that kind of fell that that's really good. And then Luke Falk. He's the guy that everybody wants to be this year's Tom Brady. First and foremost, I hate when people say things like that. Tom Brady... Doesn't happen. Once in three lifetimes for a player to be Mr. Irrelevant, to become the best quarterback of all time. Correct. You just... That doesn't happen. 
Uh, Luke Falk has also been compared to Drew Bledsoe. Again. Yeah, but he holds on to the ball way too long. Yeah. He, the only thing Luke Falk has is he has good pocket presence. Which is, some, which is that good. That's something. That's something. However. You can build on that. But let's be honest, just, it, does, it doesn't matter. Mariota's a quarterback. Yeah, he, he just doesn't have the arm strength and he doesn't have the accuracy. If you have an arm like him, you better be accurate. And if you're going to be as inaccurate as he is, you better have a cannon. And he, he doesn't have a cannon. He doesn't have either. No. All he has is pocket presence, which some coaches say is the hardest to learn and the hardest thing to improve. But he doesn't scare me. He's, he's not going to play. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, all right, let's get to the uh, let's get into the free agents. So, obviously, Malcolm Butler. We know because we were in the Malcolm Butler sweepstakes as well. Uh, I'm glad we didn't sign him for the price that Tennessee paid him. Is he a number one corner? Sure. Did they improve their roster? Yeah, they did. Uh, him and Logan Ryan. Uh, it's it's a nice tandem to have. And then they also have another corner um, who they took last year. What was his name? They took him in the first round, I think, last year. Yep, Adoree Jackson. Yeah, that's right. Who potentially could be good as well. He, he was good before he got hurt. Um, I mean, it looked like they could have a solid secondary. I mean, corners, yeah. And they, I mean, they could have a solid secondary. Not great, but then, solid. I mean, they have that they have that fan that's out there playing, playing safety, so. So what does it matter? <laughs> uh, so then Benny Logan... Who I like a lot. I'm not sure how high you are on Benny Logan, but I, I liked him when he was with the Eagles. I, he, I think he signed a one-year deal with the Chiefs last year and was just okay. Uh, but he was definitely better on the Eagles. I think there's a chance that he could turn back into what he was. The defensive tackle position, this like in the last three years with the one-year deals and the value placed on him, it just doesn't seem to be as high as it once was. Uh, but I, I think he's a piece that helps. Obviously, Deion Lewis... You just spent an hour gushing over Deion Lewis. I don't even yeah, know if we so need we don't, to. We don't need to go over the. We don't need to go again. over running backs again. And then they um, signed uh, Will Compton. Yeah, and for you, those of you that kind of went over their head, uh, Deion Sanders called their All Pro safety Kevin Bayard just a fan. Bayard, yeah. When Deion Sanders said that Tyron Matthew is the best safety in the game according to players, uh, Bayard made like a comment or something. He back. Tweet, he replied back like, "Hey, I'm an All Pro," yeah. or something about I'm an All Pro, and he's. The, Deion Sanders didn't even know he was in the league. Yeah, he was like, I don't, I don't need to hear it from a fan. Yeah, it's an All Pro safety, whatever. Um, but he, he was an All Pro. Yeah. So I mean, that does say something. Or Pro Bowl. So I think it was Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl. There's a difference, um, but whatever. Um, I actually really like the Campanero signing. He's another guy that's okay. probably going to play special teams. He's one of those that if you look at him and you watch him play during the preseason every year. He was with the Ravens, and you're kind of like, I don't know. I pay attention to the uh, second and third string guys during the preseason because I play too much fantasy football. But Campanero is that guy that's just like, why doesn't he ever get more snaps? Why doesn't he get to play during the regular season? Because good things always happen with him. And then you drop him with a, this sort of offense. Like He's the guy to watch out for. Um, Blaine Gabbard as their backup. That's like, a... I actually... I. I actually think it's a good move. I do too. I, I don't like Blaine Gabbert. I don't think he's a starter. But, but in as spurts, a as a spot start, yeah. he's fine. 
They blessedly took Xavier Suofilo off our hands. And he's probably going to turn into be a great And he's probably going to turn into, yeah, exactly what we expected him to be when we drafted him. Yeah. But you know what the best part is? What? We don't have to argue about whether or not he's good anymore. No, now we get to say he's good. So it's even better. <laughs> yeah, no, look, I mean, the Titans, the Titans put together a nice offseason uh, they are going to be tough. So for all of you listeners out there that are circling two W's every time you see the Titans on the schedule, um, it's not guaranteed. Do I think that we'll beat them? Yeah, I do. Do I think we'll beat them twice? I do. Because I think we're going to be that much better. But And that's without me being a fanboy. That's just me being honest. I, I really think we're going to be that much better. But the Titans are the team in the AFC South that scare me the most. And they are the team that I think can uh, can can go to war with us. And, yeah. and 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 for for the division, they will probably be the most entertaining team to watch in the AFC South. Oh, outside us. Oh, I was like, oh, uh, healthy Deshaun Watson. We're going to be the most entertaining. Absolutely, we might be the most entertaining in the league. Yeah, but outside us, like if you have your Sunday ticket and you need a game to watch after us, it'll be good. You'll probably won't mind watching the Titans this year. As we're all going to be watching them anyways, because we're going to hope they're going to lose, because they're going to be right behind us in the division. Yeah. But we, you won't mind. It'll at least be entertaining. I agree. Yeah, no, it's it, it's going to be interesting to see how they work. Uh, there's a good chance that this year's just like a, a warm-up year. Um, figure out what works, what doesn't. And, I mean, we forgot the most important thing. What's that? What do you think of their new uniforms? I haven't even seen them because I don't give two shits about the Titans. I hate that team. <laughs> I, You know, I know everybody hates the Jags and they hate the Colts. I, I literally hate the Titans. So that my biggest hate is the Titans. For me, it should always be FTT. Fuck the Titans. I, I don't understand how the city does not hate that team more than any other team in the league. It's crazy to me. And you'll get a couple old older heads that are like, yeah, fuck the Titans because they Actually, took my you'll team. you'll get a couple of older guys that... Go for both the Titans and the Texans. Okay, there are a couple of those, yes. and they're I'm annoying. actually amazed. With I, don't understand it. I don't understand There's it. There's contributors to, uh, to uh, Texans fandom that go for both the Titans and the Texans. I, I just, I, I, to me, that is completely lost. First I of all, don't you, understand that. You can only have one team. Let's be clear. In the fan rules, you can only have one team. You can have other teams you like to watch, but you have one team you root for. It's just the way it is. You can't have two. I can't like the Texans and then be a Patriots fan as well. It's not the way it works. Uh, all right. What else we got, John? Is that it? That, yeah, that's all I got. Um, are we recording next week, even though I'm in Cali for vacation? We'll probably let you take the week off. Oh, thanks. This way we... Uh, <laughs> Look at that. What a nice guy. You know? What a... <laughs> <laughs> Such a slave driver over here. Um, well, that'll give you time to so finish the patron. Yeah, we we got that'll give that. you the time to finish the patron if we're not oh. doing the podcast. So one of the things we're going to do on our patron, um, it already exists, right? Yep. So what's the website for the patron? I don't know. Yeah, you put me on the spot. I have no idea. Just Texas is unfiltered. Under, is it under young? Is it Texas? No, it's Texas unfiltered. unfiltered. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the first. Six people that donate twenty dollars on our Patreon, we're going to give them the option of joining a uh, a dynasty league, a dynasty fantasy football league. Yep. Where you get to play against me and Young Ari Gold. See if you know more about football than us, which you probably do. I mean, we really don't know all that much. So, we'll put together our dynasty league, and essentially that first twenty dollar donation, we'll consider that the entry fee into the league. And this way, we can also get together and kind of have like a draft and something like that. Yeah. 
yeah, we'll host a draft party somewhere, uh, whether it be Austin or Houston, whoever, wherever I guess the most dominant members of the league are. Yep. And then things that we're going to do for Patreon is we're going to have like a, a an extra an extra show. We'll probably put it up on YouTube like everybody else does, but it'll be more pop culture, and we'll actually talk about our fantasy football strategy. So. You know, the guys that join the league, you're going to have a one-up because we'll tell you everything we're going to do before we do it. And then, you know, Ari wants to rip on pop culture some. We we try to watch movies, but we got young kids. So oh, I watch movies. No, no, I watch them all. I've um, seen them all. I go to the movies more than you do. Yeah. Because I don't have a one-year-old. I have a six-year-old. Yeah. I, I have to sneak out. Yeah, like, yeah. I know. I have to invite you. Hey, John, do you want to go see... <laughs> I go to too many movies by myself, too. You There's know, nothing wrong with just, that. Just for some quiet time. Oh, I used to do it all the time. But we'll do that, and I think we'll do six months in. We'll get you either a sweatshirt or a t-shirt. We haven't figured it out, but we're going we're gonna, to... My wife has put together a real good tester one that I'll put as a picture on the Patreon so you can see it. I mean, and then we'll just go forward, and if you donate, what was it, $5 every month? Yeah. $5 every month for six months. Then you'll get a T-shirt. Yeah, and we'll and, and this is a this is a, a learning phase for us as well. We'll see what works, what doesn't work, and we'll adjust it. Yeah, and uh, if y'all have ideas, feel if, free. Yeah, if you guys have ideas, let us know. We'd love to do it. You know, if it's you guys want to be on the podcast, you know, whatever it would be, like we can definitely do that. So so don't feel like there's nothing else. Yeah, I mean, heck, we'd even thrown around the idea of uh, pay, having like a patron tailgate at one of the. Uh, Texans game, but That'd be we'll, pro- we'll probably just do it open to any listener. Yeah, we would love a patron donation, but anybody that wants to come, we'll set something up. Absolutely, and to un- for everybody to understand where the patron goes, it's not for me and uh, John's salary. It's literally just to put back into the podcast. It's for us to uh, get better guests, you know, update the websites, get you know whatever it would be. Uh, it'll go straight into the podcast. So we're not looking to uh, get rich off of the podcast. We've we've made that pretty much clear from the beginning. Yeah, this point. I mean, you would be surprised how expensive it is to actually put on a podcast. Yeah, I mean, we. I think just to host the podcast, we've spent already like $300 in the year. Uh, the website that I started cost me 175 So, I mean, we've spent money, mics, computers, all that stuff. So, it definitely gets pricey. So, all we're looking to do is just make sure that we can always deliver you guys high-quality content uh, that you guys enjoy listening to. And that's all I got. Sweet. All right. All right, guys. I'm going to be in California next week uh, for vacation with the fam, going to Legoland. So if you guys want to hit me up on Twitter, uh, feel free at young underscore Ari underscore gold, or you can hit us up at Houston FB pod. Uh, also on Instagram, I manage that. So you guys can, uh, don't try to slide into my DMs. That's weird. You can just uh, like shoot me a message. Uh, but yeah, let me know. And you can find us on iTunes, Google Play Store, Amazon, Uh, wherever you can find your friendly podcasts. And I am Young Ari Gold, signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys here soon. up against the wall and said that we couldn't stand the pressure we still got it done man when they said the clock was winding down and it wasn't enough time to get it done we still got it done man now it's our time to shine it's our time to keep it 100 so we gonna go out here and show my trail we are baby